it's this beautiful transformation, the curse of sin and death being removed, all evil being gone, mourning, crying, pain being gone, and this new beautiful place that God has made for us to be his stewards and live in his presence. Welcome back to Roots and Branches, Episode 5. This is a ministry of New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. And uh, I love the number five. I'm the fifth born, and we are now rolling along in December of 2022 with this uh, almost weekly podcast. About three weeks a month is our realistic plan, but we're on track right now to make this a ministry to bless our local congregation and hopefully the larger listening audience about how to fulfill God's will in our lives, to learn by doing and reach our community for Christ. And uh, I'll tell you what, today's episode, Brent has titled it Creation Restored. That word restored, or the longer word restoration, is one of my favorite words in all of Scripture. Almost every time in any translation I'm reading it, I underline or circle the word restore or restoration. One of my former interim pastors, Harvey Martin, Dr. Harvey Martin, was a uh, professor at Northwestern University in St. Paul, and he was an interim pastor of mine. And one thing he said frequently from the pulpit, God is in the business of restoration, not replacement. That's kind of my impression of, of Harvey Martin. But the idea that we we as Christians, we, we feeble, uh, sinful, weak people who are restored in Christ can know that right now, no matter how broken our lives are, we can be restored in this world, not fully, but on the path to being restored eternally on the new earth. So Brent, talk about, uh, give us an overview of this topic, Revelation 21 and 22. I love the word restoration and to God be the glory because that's in his business to restore us. Yes. Amen. (laughs) That's the first thing to say. Uh, What we're doing here in this episode, and if you're with us for episode four, we talked about Genesis three and the curse. So we have been at the very opening chapters of the Bible in Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in our first few episodes. We are now fast-forwarding all the way to the entirely other side of the Bible, the mm-hmm. other uh, you know, end. We're, we're looking at now the conclusion of the scriptures that describe God's new creation and the restoration of God's good creation. And so uh, the reason why we're doing that is, 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 is there's a principle here. In order for us to understand redemption, the whole middle part of the scriptures that describe God's plan from eternity to uh, redeem a people and restore and redeem his creation for his glory, to, to display his beautiful attributes in the fullness of who he is in his mercy and in his power and in his grace and his love, that all of creation is moving towards a goal. We've set the foundation in Genesis 1-2. We've talked about the impact of the curse and sin. Now we're going to fast forward and say, well, we've got some of those foundational elements. What is the telos or the goal or the conclusion of where all history is headed? Because once we know that foundation first, then we see the end of the story and where everything's headed. Then we can answer that middle one of what is redemption and what are we saved from? What are we saved for? And what is God doing in that grand scope of redemption, which we're going to get into in the next episode? So I want to make sure that's really clear. That's why we're jumping ahead. We need the bookends of the whole story, Mm -hmm. the beginning and then the conclusion, and then we'll understand the full picture of what redemption is. So here's what we're going to talk about today. If you skip all the way to the end of your scriptures in Revelation chapters uh, 21 and 22, 
We're going to see uh, how the curse is reversed and God's good creation is now redeemed, restored, and his presence again fills all of his creation and, his, and the curse is gone. What I love about these chapters is how every element of what we saw happen at the beginning of the Bible, God being the creator and standing perfect in power over the material world, us being his image bearers and serving him as stewards for his glory, being fruitful, uh, subduing the earth, ruling over it, and then all of God's creation ordered, good, reflecting his glory, beautiful and abundant. All of those things come back into the picture here, but even better than they were to begin with. Absolutely. So the cool thing about the ending of these chapters is everything you see is like pulling you back to the story of the Garden of Eden. But it is so much grander and better and greater. And it just amplifies everything of how God created us and who he is and what he created us to be. Yeah, and one way that it's amplified greater than ever is the people. We are going to have every tribe and tongue and language and nation in the new earth. And uh, in, in the original creation, it was just two people, Adam and Eve. And now we know through the whole counsel of God, there will be... Uh, innumerable. We, I mean, there will be a finite number because only God is infinite, but it's amazing to think of the millions or perhaps billions of people, image bearers, restored in Christ on the new earth, and that alone will be an amazing experience uh, to, to have that full... And, and restoration, in that sense, that word is even inadequate because we're not merely restored to that original creation. Yeah. We are upgraded, as it were. 2.0 humans. Yep. Yeah, there's, a, there's actually three different ways that scholars have sort of tried to understand what's going to happen in the new creation. And one is a recovery, sort of going back to the original. It's like, let's take it back and kind of rewind the clock and start over again. And it's kind of a minority view. Not many people necessarily take that. Uh, another one is uh, to uh, see everything replaced. And so you sort of get rid of everything and God sort of starts over. Mm. Um, but I think the one that, that, that best captures the scriptures is, is, is redeemed or transformed creation. Yes. That there's continuity with the current experience, the current uh, heavens and earth, but because it's under the curse and because of the presence of sin and because of us being uh, needing to be renewed in our inner being and be, our bodies be transformed, the new heavens and new earth is a redeemed and transformed and glorious and greater reality, but that has continuity with, uh, with, with the current reality. Continuity is a great operative word to remember throughout this episode and throughout our, all, all of our Christian lives. Yeah. I don't know if you want to flesh that out now or not, but... Uh, well, I think it'll come through as okay, we talk. Yeah, um, love well, that word so continuity. If you're in Revelation 21 and 22, I want to point out a few key phrases here. The beginning of this chapter starts with, and then I saw, and this is this Apostle John talking about what he saw in his vision a new heaven and a new earth. And if you look in your Bible, it's actually a quote of Isaiah 65, Yay. verse 17. So the prophets already foretold this reality of there being uh, a new heaven, a new earth. And in, in it's really a Hebrew term. Uh, it's a Hebrew idiom. It, 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 having a, The heavens and the earth is a way of saying everything. It's yes. like a renewed universe. Yes. Uh, the heavens are the things above. It's the, it's the planets and the stars and all the various things that God created in the, in the heavenly realm. Uh, but then the new earth is the material creation here, uh, the planet we walk on, uh, our living reality that, that we walk in day to day. And so mm-hmm. all is renewed mm-hmm. in this new creation. Yes, everything. Back to the Abraham Kuyper quote, if there's not one square inch over this universe that the Lord doesn't cry mine, 
there's not one square inch over this universe over which Jesus will not restore to its better than its original intention. Every square inch of the whole universe. Yeah. Awesome. It's amazing. Yes. So so this starts with a new heaven and new earth. The first heaven and first earth, first earth have passed away. So there's some sort of conclusion to the reality that we're in now. But then there's this greater and grander uh, new holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down and prepared as a bride. And then it says, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. If you remember back in Genesis, we were talking about God originally being present with his people in the garden the curse is banishment from God's presence. We need to be restored to God's presence. That's mm-hmm. that's that's the whole point we're going to get into in the next episode about redemption. Mm-hmm. But God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God, and he will wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That's verses 3 and 4 of, of Revelation 21. It's this beautiful transformation. Relationally, we're with God. Uh, we are transformed in the curse and sin and death being removed, all evil being gone, mourning, crying, pain being gone, and this new beautiful place that God has made for us to be as stewards and live in his presence. Excellent. And the double connection I want to make in that we're both in the Christmas season. We're in Advent right now. Christmas is very soon. And you are doing a sermon series all year on John. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And that word dwelt in both John 1.14 and Revelation 21.3 is tabernacled. He became a tabernacle on the earth. I'm not talking literally, but he... The Lord dwelt on the earth just like the Lord dwelt in the tabernacle in the desert with the Israelites in their wilderness wanderings and in the temple in Jerusalem under Solomon and eventually Zerubbabel. And now we have him uh, on the new earth will forever live with him. So Jesus is the one who entered uh, the, well, he, he caused us to dwell with God forever. And that's why we can do this in the future on the new earth. Yes. And what I love about the end chapters of Revelation 21 and 22 is they draw us, like I said earlier, draws us all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and there's this imagery that gets repeated that helps us to see this grander and greater reality. So if you if you got a Bible and you're opening with it or with me here, Revelation 22 talks about uh, Eden being restored in this this imagery from the Garden, and I'm just going to read these opening verses so that we can all hear it together. John says, "The angel showed me the river of the water of life." If you remember in Genesis 1 and 2, it describes the rivers that flow from the garden. Um, The rivers of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. We saw the tree of life earlier on in chapters 1 and 2 or chapter 2 of Genesis. It's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. So there's this abundance and fruitfulness Constantly. Mm -hmm. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. So there's no longer any curse. There's no longer strife. There's no longer division, war, violence, evil. No longer will there be any curse. There it is. Yes. We spent all episode talking about the curse. Yes. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. That same idea of serving is like that idea of the stewardship. It's the worship. It's the giving God glory in everything of who we are and what we do. And they will see his face, verse 4, and his name will be on their foreheads, and there will be no more night. There will not need to be the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. 
it is this beautiful picture of the restored, glorious, ordered, good, purposeful creation that God made and us to inhabit and reflect his glory in all that we are and do. That's amazing. And you look at that last phrase you just read in, in Revelation 22, 5, they will reign forever and ever. That always blows me away because we forget that Jesus in his mercy and grace by the Father's will will have us reign with him on the new earth. So that is part of what it means to steward in the garden originally mm-hmm. and be image bearers to actually rule. Now, of course, we're always under the king of kings, the lord of lords, but that we have that high of a standing. And and the top of that is we are part of the bride of Christ. It's just amazing. So there's so much treasure that will unfold for eternity as image bearers, but more importantly, as Christ bearers. Yep. Yeah, and the original calling in Genesis to be fruitful, multiply, to rule over the the, the creation, mm-hmm. you see it in perfection here. Mm-hmm. And what I love about that, and I just, so let's just use our imaginations for a moment. Jesus is going to be there. <laughs> so yes. he is going to be our perfect wisdom. The power of God, the presence of God, the perfection of what it means to be in perfect relationship with God as we are living the full like humanity of being God's stewards in his creation. We were talking about this earlier, Paul. I'd love to have you maybe just, just dive in here yes. on some of the misconceptions of heaven. Oh, boy. Like, what are some of the things that people sort of misunderstand about what heaven is? Well, first of all, let me just call everyone's attention to the fact that I have in my hands here a big tome by Randy Alcorn. Let me see. In the index, it is about 500 pages long. And I will confess to everybody in the listening audience, it took me 10 years to read this. Because first of all, I don't (laughs) prioritize reading. It took me like three attempts to read the whole thing through. But once I did finish reading this, I think it was 2016. uh, It took me five years in that time, but 10 total. uh, It changed my life. Because I believe one of the biggest lies of Satan, and in fact, Randy makes this point, and this goes in Revelation and in other places in Scripture. Satan hates three things. He hates God's name, he hates God's people, and he hates God's dwelling place. So when you think about that theology, the three things Satan hates most, God's name, God's people, God's dwelling place, he will attack all three But the way he attacks God's dwelling place, he spreads the lie that heaven is boring. It's not (laughs) worth going there. Just last night when I was with some of my teens in in my my juggling ministry, uh, a certain song came on. I won't diss the uh, songwriter, but I will say I do not like this song at all. And I will just put it this way. Uh, The song goes like this. I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints because sinners have much more fun. And it goes on to say the title of the song. (laughs) I'm not sure if I should bash the person or not. I will just say that is a lie from Satan that sinners have more fun because they have the misguided notion that sin is pleasurable, therefore that's eternal. Sin destroys. It says in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus comes to give his life and give it abundantly. So back to Brent's question. The misconceptions of heaven are that it's boring and I would add with the cartoons we see where disembodied spirits were like little cherubs with diapers on and we have little <laughs> wings and we have the harps and yeah. as Tim Hawkins would say in his stand-up Christian comedy routine that's all we do for eternity no and and with all due respect to local church services it's also not an eternal church service because let's look at this there's 168 hours in the week 
we worship together corporately on Sunday. Let's say two. Let's say we'll be generous and say two. Uh, if you had Sunday school, fine, three. That's not a large percentage of the week. So what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to not be God image bearers and Christ bearers the rest of the week? No. We're supposed to worship God through our work, through our families, through our recreation, even through our sleep and eating. So similarly, in heaven, I'm not sure if we're going to sleep or not. But I do believe we're going to eat because Jesus himself said at the Last Supper, I will eat with you again at my, uh, in, in my Father's kingdom. And we know from uh, we know Revelation 19, the wedding supper of the Lamb. I mean, well, I don't think the word supper is, is metaphorical there. We're going to eat. We're going to have recreation. So this big tome I referred to, the, the nearly 500-page Randy Alcorn book, he also, by the way, has a smaller book called 50 Days of Heaven. I led some of my boys um, in a Bible study through this for a whole school year one time. And uh, the 50 days of heaven goes to specificity about how we can look forward to physical experiences on the new earth. And it says, what is saying in John 14, that Jesus is going to go and prepare a place for us. I know many theologians say, including Randy Alcorn, that's a literal promise. We are going to have, as it were, a room or a mansion or a house or a dwelling that is just for us. And, and he even adds this caveat, it'll be according to our obedience on the earth. And now, even if you just don't want to say that applies to physical dwelling, it's going to apply to authority. Remember the parable of the ten talents? Or, or the, just the parable of the talents, the man who had five talents, made five more. Jesus said, take charge of ten cities. And Randy Alcorn posits that is not a metaphorical thing. It is going to be, we will really have on the new earth, mayors, maybe dog catchers, maybe if dogs are disobedient. We're going to have presidents. <laughs> We're going to have other levels of authority. And, and it's not just authority. It's going to be pleasures. It's going to be uh, ways to occupy and to worship. And yes, lest anyone in the listening audience think I'm dissing the local congregation worshiping on Sundays, there will be worship beyond what we can possibly imagine. But I'm, I am supposed, or I'm proposing in this uh, diatribe here on what the misconceptions <laughs> of heaven is or are. It is not only going to be singing and worshiping and falling down and casting your crowns before the Lamb. It will also be working, recreating, relating, traveling, and growing. That's the other wonderful thing. Because we are finite creatures, we will not instantly be equal to God in knowledge and power and wisdom. In fact, I believe that's impossible, except for we have Christ's righteousness imputed into us. We will um, be equal in the sense that as the bride of Christ, we are his equal spouse, as it were, but will always grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's 2 Peter 3.18, because since we're still finite, we get the pleasure of growing. I know Brent has a library here full of books, working in his uh, <laughs> doctoral dissertation. Even Brent Compelin, and even any other theologian or, or doctor of what other area you can think of, will never, ever stop growing in knowledge, because God promises forever and ever we'll grow and, and get to express our creativity and our knowledge and other ways. So hopefully that's enough, enough of a sampling to say heaven is not <laughs> fake, it's not disembodied, it's not finite, it's not an eternal church service. It has all the elements of the best things this life has to offer, magnified not just by, by quantity, but by quality and forever, as long as we can possibly imagine, billions and billions and billions of years. Yep. I can see you're really passionate about it. I am. And, and maybe later we'll just touch on the fact that I've experienced so many deaths in my life. I have really made this a, a study of mine because I have to have the hope. And especially as someone that's infertile yeah. myself, 
I have to have a hope that the legacy that lives beyond my life, because I have no kids to to pass on my ideas, let alone my property to. Uh, I I need yeah. to have the hope that goes beyond Paul Arneberg's finite life, and it's only fifty three and a half years old at this point. <laughs> Young. Yeah. Well, sure, yeah, relatively. <laughs> Well, what what is so important about what you're saying, because there is, and I'll, I'll just say for our listeners, so for some of you who have not encountered the idea that heaven is going to be something more than like a eternal church service in the clouds as, you know, strumming a harp. Yeah. If you haven't thought about this before, mm-hmm. even you can just hear, like as Paul has been talking the last few minutes, there is a, like a whole new world that opens up when you realize that this is going to be a new heavens, a new earth. Yes. Like it's a, it's an existence where you're 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 a, you're the fullness of what it means to be a human being. You are an embodied soul and an ensouled body. Yes, I like that. <laughs> you, uh, we are never designed to sort of live separate from the material world. That's what it means to be human. And then when we say that Jesus was fully human, it means that he really has, like, the incarnation is so important because he has a physical body. That Jesus, in his resurrection affirms the goodness of the material world. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, his resurrection could have been theoretically something spiritual, but it was physical. His physical body is resurrected. And so by, by that reality, the new creation is inherently God's restoration, transformation, redemption of the created order mm-hmm. to be brought back into its perfect alignment in its service to God and glory to God in its purpose, order, and goodness. And so the new heavens and new earth, what's so important, and we just need to like, you know, for all the different rabbit trails there could be about like what it, what it is, um, it's going to be, I think, um, surprisingly familiar. Yes, absolutely. In that we're going to be in a, you're going to have a body, a resurrection body, and we're going to live in a material world, mm-hmm. and we will experience the nearness of God's presence and perfection and the glory of God's presence, but we will fully and perfectly embody our stewardship as his image bearers. Like all the things that we saw got flipped upside down and got cursed in sin in Genesis 3 that we already talked about. Yes, It's all going to be redeemed and restored, but in a grander and greater sense than we can possibly imagine. Absolutely. And so that material reality, but with that perfect spiritual reality wedded to it. Mm Mm-hmm is what the new heavens and new earth will be. And so it opens up a whole new conversation about how do we start living in eternity today? Like that starts now Mm -hmm. as I'm restored in my inner being. And we're going to talk about that in redemption in next episode. But then I look forward with true hope to a real reality of a a new heavens and new earth um, that, that will, um, it does meet the deepest longings and needs and lets us fulfill the deepest reality of what it means to be human. Yes, and let me key off of one thing. Yep. I know we're going to wrap up in yep. a little bit here, but you mentioned that uh, the word isolation, you know, you're talking about, um, yeah. what would you say again about regarding relationships and uh, what was that thought? Uh, that isolation is death. Yes. Was that and before or was that just life. now you said it? Uh, no. We were... <laughs> It was pre-production. <laughs> yes. But what did you just say a minute ago about uh, something that triggered the thought about the people in hell? Oh, uh, familiarity. F- there we go. Uh, you don't have to cut this out, Paul Cravens, anyway. But the, the familiarity, that's the other thing. And now that Brent helped to focus my passionate thoughts about heaven, I'm going to say this, and this does relate. I'm just going to give a quick shout-out to the fact I've probably been to 120 funerals in my life. Mm. That's a lot of funerals because I have a large 
uh, I was raised in a large Catholic clan in St. Paul, Minnesota. And uh, and then beyond that, uh, not only did my mom die when I was only 16 years old and she was 51, I had a nephew die from an accidental car accident. I've had close friends like Richard K. Allison from uh, Allison Ministries die at age 42 of Hodgkin's disease. I had a former coworker named Deb Pedersen die and Paula Jean Brown Adamson. And the reason I mention all these names, and I could mention many more, is because I've had to face death and I've had to face the reality of our finite life square in the face. It reminds me of, I believe it's Ecclesiastes 7.2. It is better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting because that is the end of all man, and the living will lay it to heart. Well, one of the ways we want to lay to heart the reality of our own demise is to look forward to what's coming after that. And here's the, here's the catch. Here's the, the clincher. The word familiarity, another misconception of heaven is people don't want to go there. They're afraid of not being known. And that is one of the most horrible thoughts in the universe. Isolation to neither be known nor to know. But when, when Brent said the word continuity at the beginning of the podcast, and now the word familiarity, which is a similar word, we will know people from the earth. Don't let Satan lie to anybody, you believers out there, that will go to heaven and somehow we'll have to get to know people all over again. No, I think we'll probably know a few thousand people already, and then we'll get to know the other millions or billions throughout eternity. It's not a misnomer to say, I'm looking forward to go meeting the Apostle Paul. And I'll recognize who he is. And I don't think, even though I think we'll probably all be around the age of 30, which is probably the age Adam and Eve, you know, they were zero when they were created, but you know, they were fully mature, fully ready to go and procreate and talk and walk and name the animals, right? On day one of creation, or excuse me, day six of creation, the, the first day Adam's created. When we're in heaven, we don't have to worry about not knowing people. We will know people fully. Now, Let's also be careful. We're not going to be married forever to our current spouses. Now, that's bad news and good news, depending on how your marriage is doing. But <laughs> the good thing is we will get to still know the people we invested our lives with, whether it was for one year or 100 years on this earth. And so that familiarity is another operative word with continuity. And this all comes under God's grace and will. And so when you know him, you look forward to that more. Yes, being with Christ and the presence of him forever, tabernacling with us on the new earth, but also with our brothers and sisters in Christ those that we know and those that we have yet to meet. Amen. So that's great. Um, just want to conclude with a, with one of these passages from Revelation 22. This is how um, the end of the scriptures conclude. Jesus says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I'll give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. And we're going to talk about that next because our next episode is about how are we redeemed. And as we look ahead to the new heavens and new earth, for all the beauty, the complexity, the various things we can sort of pontificate on yes. uh, in the new creation, um, how uh, are we saved? And that's what we're going to talk about as we look at the middle of the story. Absolutely, yes. And so my parting thought as we wrap up is just to say, be in your Bibles, New Life Church. Uh, I am someone, if you, if you can't tell, after five episodes, I'm a very emotional person, and uh, I love to get expressive, and then there's also the downside of that, being down or whatever. But I, I take my mind and make it my slave so that if I read my Bible every day, I am able to inform my passions with the Word of God, even more than Randy Alcorn, even more than Brent Sermons, anyone else. Uh, we need to be in 
in God's word, and then you will find the treasures that are going to make you on the right path of restoration, sanctification, and, and fulfilling your purpose for, for, that God has for you in this world, even in a campaign called Deepening Roots and Growing Branches here at New Life Evangelical Free Church. Thank you very much again. My name is Paul Arneberg with Pastor Brent Cumberland. Our sound engineer is Paul Cravens. We look forward to seeing you again, or you hearing from us, on episode six. And thank you for listening to episode five. Have a blessed rest of 2022.